0: Section 23 of Hinduism and Buddhism in Historical Sketch, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jachmola Hinduism and Buddhism in Historical Sketch, Volume 1 by Charles Eliot. Hinduism in Practice after reviewing the characteristics of a religion it is natural to ask what is its effect on those who profess it buddhism christianity and islam offer materials for answering such a question since they are not racial religions in historical times they have been accepted by people who did not profess them previously and we can estimate the consequences of such changes but hinduism has racial or geographical limits it proselytizes but hardly outside the indian area it is difficult to distinguish it from indian custom as the gospel is distinguished from the practice of europe it is superfluous to inquire what would be its effect on other countries since it shows no desire to impose itself on them and they none to accept it it is like shinto in japan not a religion which has moulded the national character but the national character finding expression in religion shinto and hinduism are also alike in perpetuating ancient beliefs and practices which seem anachronisms but otherwise they are very different for many races and languages have contributed their thoughts and hopes to the ocean of hinduism and they all had an interest in speculation and mysticism unknown to the japanese the fact that hinduism is something larger and more comprehensive than what we call a religion is one reason why it contains much of dubious moral value It is analogous not to Christianity but to European civilization which produces side-by-side philanthropy and the horrors of war, or to science which has given us the blessings of surgery and the curse of explosives. There is a deep-rooted idea in India that a man's daily life must be accompanied by religious observances and regulated by a religious code, by no means of universal application, but still suitable to his particular class an immoral occupation need not be irreligious it simply requires gods of a special character hence we find thugs killing and robbing their victims in the name of kali but though the hindu is not at ease unless his customs are sanctioned by his religion yet religion in the wider sense is not bound by custom for the founders of many sects have declared that before god there is no caste a hindu may devote himself to religion and abandon the world with all its conventions but if like most men he prefers to live in the world it is his duty to follow the customs and usages sanctioned for his class and occupation thus as sister nivedita has shown us in her beautiful writings cooking washing and all the humble round of domestic life become one long ritual of purification and prayer in which the entertainment of a guest stand out as a great sacrifice but though religion may thus give beauty and holiness to common things yet inasmuch as it sanctifies what it finds rather than prescribes what should be it must bear the blame for foolish and even injurious customs child marriages have nothing to do with the creed of hinduism yet many hindus especially hindu women would feel it irreligious as well as a social disgrace to let a daughter become adult without being married A comparison of Indian Mohammedans and Hindus suggests that the former are more warlike and robust, the latter more intellectual and indigenous. The fact that some Mohammedans belong to hardy tribes of invaders must be taken into account, but Islam deserves the credit of having introduced a simple and fairly healthy rule of life, which does not allow every caste to make its own observances into a divine law yet it would seem that the medical and sanitary rules of hinduism deserve less abuse than they generally receive colonel king sanitary commissioner of the madras presidency is quoted as saying in a lecture the institutes of vishnu and the laws of manu fit in excellently with the bacteriology parasitology and applied hygiene of the west the hygiene of food and water private and public conservancy disease suppression with prevention are all carefully dealt with. Footnote eighty-four. See Asiatic Review, July nineteen sixteen, page thirty-three. End footnote. Hinduism certainly has proved marvelously stimulating to the intellect, or shall we put it the other way, is the product of profound, acute and restless minds. It cannot be justly accused of being enervating or melancholy, for many Hindu states were vigorous and warlike, and the accounts of early travelers indicate that in pre-Mohammadan days, the people were humane, civilized, and contented. Footnote 85 Example given Vijayanagar, the Marathas, and the states of Rajputana. End footnote. It created an original and spiritual art, for Indian art, more than any other, is the direct product of religion and not merely inspired by it. In ages when original talent is rare, this close relation has disadvantages for it tends to make all art symbolic and conventional. An artist must not represent a deity in the way that he thinks most effective. The proportions, attitude and ornaments are all prescribed not because they suit a picture or statue but because they mean something. Indian literature is also directly related to religion. Its extent is well nigh immeasurable. I will not alarm the reader with statistics of the theological and metaphysical treatises which it contains. A little of such goes a long way, even when they are first-rate, but India may at least boast of having more theological works which, if considered as intellectual proportions, must be placed in the first class than Europe. Nor are religious writings of a more human type absent, the language of heart to heart and of the heart to God the ramayana of tulsidas and teruvukagam are extolled by gross grierson and pope all of them christians i believe as not only masterpieces of literature but as noble expressions of pure devotion and the poems of kabir and tukaram if less considerable as literary efforts show the same spiritual quality Indian poetry even when nominally secular is perhaps too much under religious influence to suit our taste and the long didactic and philosophic harangues which interrupt the action of the mahabharat seem to us inartistic yet to those who take the pains to familiarize themselves with what at first is strange the mahabharat is i think a greater poem than the iliad it should not be regarded as an epic distended and interrupted by interpolated sermons but as the scripture of the warrior caste which sees in the soldier's life a form of religion i have touched in several places on the defects of hinduism they are due partly to its sanction of customs which have no necessary connection with it and partly to its extravagance which in the service of the god sees no barrier of morality or humanity but sutti human sacrifices and orgies strike the imagination and assume an importance which they have not and never had for hinduism as a whole if hinduism were really bad so many great thoughts so many good lives could not have grown up in its atmosphere more than any other religion it is a quest of truth and not a creed which must necessarily become antiquated it admits the possibility of new scriptures new incarnations new institutions it has no quarrel with knowledge or speculation perhaps it excludes materialists because they have no common ground with religion but it tolerates even the sankhya philosophy which has nothing to say about god or worship It is truly dynamic, and in the past, whenever it has seemed in danger of withering, it has never failed to bud with new life and put forth new flowers. More than other religions, Hinduism appeals to the soul's immediate knowledge and experience of God. It has sacred books innumerable, but they can agree in little but this, that the soul can become into contact and intimacy with its God, whatever name be given him, and even if he be superpersonal. The possibility and truth of this experience is hardly questioned in India and the task of religion is to bring it about, not to promote the welfare of tribes and states, but to effect the enlightenment and salvation of souls. The love of the Hindus for every form of argument and philosophizing is well known, but it is happily counterbalanced by another tendency. Instinct and religion both bring them into close sympathy with nature india is in the main an agricultural country and nearly 3 quarter of the population are villagers whose life is bound up with the welfare of plants and animals and lies at the mercy of rivers that overflow or skies that withhold the rain to such people nature myths and sacred animals appeal with a force that europeans rarely understand the parrots that perch on the pinnacles of the temple and the oxen that rest in the shade of its courts are not intruders but humble brothers of mankind who may also be the messengers of the gods End of section 23.